For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, I'm going to try today uh, a little bit better, not out of the wood yet, to uh, it's Tuesday afternoon, and I'm going to try to do a board on the Parsha. Um, I did the other day, I said it's, it's most and Ve'er, it's all one big story, but let me uh, call attention to something that I did, because I did Shnai Mekor Gitarogam, um, I thought in Parshas Ve'era, which is, uh, being sponsored by my very good friends who are somewhat in this, it's not exactly someone in the same boat, that's Kathy Pollock in, uh, in Columbus, who writes that she went, uh, she she's recovering from breaking a leg. That's a different problem. That's a bad one too. And she said, I want to thank especially my husband, Debbie Paul, who has to do the cooking and the cleaning, the laundry transportation for me and my kids, grandchildren. I had no idea he loved me so much. That's a nice line. <laughs> That's a nice line. I want to thank my friends and family, she says, for helping me through these last two months, after your friends and family have gotten you to where you are today, meaning me, my friends, um, so that um, we can listen to your podcast. So that's very nice of her. And now, let me see if I can go uh, a few minutes. I can't make this long. Um, but uh, I'll just share with you something that I noticed or want to talk about and that is the role of my grandfather our own not coming in the whole business because um as i said many many times you know the hummus especially in, in many places it's not literally true in the sense that what you see is exactly what happened but rather it conveys the essence of what happened through this particular interpretation the reason we're interested in it is because God dictated the essence. So we say, if Hashem said, this is what I want you to know from the story, okay, that's a, you know, then that's significant in of itself. I refer, of course, to the um, constant conversations between Moses and Pharaoh, or as we shall see, between the two brothers and Pharaoh, which, first of all, obviously were not conducted in the Hebrew language. So when you read the Chumash, you're reading a translation of it. And I think everybody knows there's no such thing as a verbatim, not really real verbatim translation. Um, is the Chumash translate Kafiha Amila, Kafiha Inyan? You know, without getting into all that stuff, we don't have to say, in fact, we, an intelligent person doesn't say, this is literally the conversation that happened between the two Jews and, and the king of Egypt. Now, it might be. I mean, I don't know. It isn't. But, uh, I mean, in places, you know, sometimes... It might be those are the exact words used, but in other times, it's pretty clear that those are not the exact words used. Uh, again, the, we don't challenge this because we cite this. If Hashem told Moshe, say that Moshe said to Pharaoh, let my people go, and Pharaoh said no, if that's what God told Moshe to write down, okay, that's what we go with. In other words, that's what, that's, those are the, 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 uh, the linguistic uh, tools in which we concentrate on. But it doesn't mean it's identical to what would have happened if I or you were standing there 
and videoing it with our phones, you know, and then we look back on the movie and we say, well, that's not exactly what Moshe said. It, it, it may boil down to that, but it's not, those are not the very words. But those are not exactly the words that Pharaoh said. Or the story with the blood and the frogs and all the other business is only part of the story. Actually, we left out a part where Paro, you know, spits on Moshe for all I know. Or Moshe spits on Paro. That's unlikely, but you know what I mean. Or Moshe told Pharaoh's uh, prime minister where to go. You know, we, we don't we don't know. You get it? We don't know. Uh, maybe yes, maybe no. So I repeat, when we read the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, or any story, but particularly the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, which involves so many complex actors, that's what makes it such a fascinating story for everybody. Uh, and so many human emotions. Uh, so you realize we're, we're getting a version of the event, but it's God's version. That's why we're interested in it. Okay? Now, to be perfectly honest, we would be interested today, not in the same way, of course, if we had an Egyptian version of it, of which I'm sure would be the opposite way we read the Chumash. If we had an Egyptian document, which has not survived as far as we know yet, one of the big problems in archaeology is that, in terms of archaeology, the Jews, there's no evidence that Jews are ever in Egypt. Um, you know, Moshe, Aaron, Dove, you know, all these people don't exist in archaeology or in, or in history, secular history, in the sense that's based on you know anything we found outside the Chumash. But if you're Jewish, you say the Chumash is good enough for me. Uh, so you could be sure that if there were any Egyptian records about it whatsoever, they'd say, oh, Moses walked in and I wiped the floor with him. We made him look like a monkey. We destroyed Jews. As a matter of fact, there is something called the Menefta Stele. I, I spoke about before. The archaeologists will tell you where there's some reference where one of the pharaohs a little bit later says, I wiped out all the Jews. I exterminated them. I destroyed their seed. Which is nothing funny. I mean, what, it's funny. I mean, nothing unusual in the Middle East. Because, you know, Mitzrayim are big liars. All the Arabs are. And if you're my age, it's not that long ago since the 20, 2003 Bush War. And you'll remember Baghdad Bob. If you raise your hands, if you're old enough to remember that. The guy's on CNN, and he's saying, there are no American tanks here. And meanwhile, you see right behind him, the American tanks are walking into Baghdad. You get it? They, they lie straight to your face. In the Gemara, there's a concept, ain't on a maze, pun of Nobody would say a, a lie directly in front of the person who gave money. But that's not true. Meaning, in Talmudic times, and perhaps among Jews, but there come times when people do have such a chutzpah, and in certain cultures, there are such a chutzpah. So the question of veracity, literalness of transmission of the story, the wholeness of the story, or partialness of the story, is something to keep in mind for an intelligent person as we read through these very, very well-known tales, because who doesn't know the story of Moshe and Aparo and Aaron and Yitzhak Mitzrayim? But every year, you revisit it, and hopefully you'll learn a little bit better, a little deeper, a little more sophisticated. At least that's, that's what I argue. Now, um... Uh, what's interesting in this regard, because this is hinted in the text of the Bible itself, is in this week's parsha uh, in Shlishi, where it says, I'm making you an Elohim Laparo. Now, he doesn't mean a God, so it's not, it doesn't, you don't read it, whoever reads it that way means well, but is a fool, right? Rather, I'm making you an Elohim in the non-divine sense. 
Rashi, for example, says, Shofi, Rode, you know, things like that. A judge on Pharaoh, Dunkelis says, I'm at, make you a teacher. However you want to translate, I tell you the truth, I told you before, in my condition, I don't have the kayach to pick up heavy books. So I can't, you know, pull out all the places where they'll give the different translations of Elohim over here. But you get the general idea. You'll be the Elohim, and Aaron will be the Navi. Okay? Aaron will be the Navi. And, uh, again, Navi doesn't mean a prophet. So you'll be an Elohim, and Aaron will be a Navi. It doesn't mean you'll be a god, and Aaron will be a prophet. But it means something different. What does it mean that Aaron will be your Navi? That's, I told you before, I'm interested in the role of Aaron, who, as you know, is something of an understudy figure in biblical history. Isn't that right? We know a whole lot about Moshe, we know considerably less about Aaron, even though Aaron is a person of crucial importance. And it becomes clear from the very first moment that Moses encounters God at the burning bush that he can't do it alone. I mean, he says so. You know? He says, I can't handle this. And God says, I'll get you Aaron. He'll do it. You know? And what is Moshe worried about? Moshe says, I can't speak to Pharaoh. Get it? I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. Now, what does he mean, I'm Aralz Vasayim? I am circumcised in the lips. Again, it doesn't mean literally, obviously, circumcised in the lips. So, right? I mean, that doesn't work anatomically. So, what does it mean, Ani Aralz Vasayim? I'm not a good talker. So, Moshe sees the job. Moshe sees his. Ooh, one second. Hold on. Yeah, somebody just called. Um, Moshe was told by God, go speak to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Now, Moshe takes this seriously, and he says, I'm not a good talker. You need a lawyer or a diplomat. Somebody's a master of words, because this is a quite a, a task to persuade the king of Egypt to let go this huge labor force that's not so push it. And you need certain uh, skills that we would associate today with successful lawyers, or perhaps successful diplomats, okay? To pull off a difficult negotiation, um, Ain't easy. On the other hand, if you get paid top dollar in America, you can find somebody who can talk anybody to do anything. If you pay top, top, top dollar, like the big lobbyists do. So Moshe says, I'm the wrong guy. Paro's not going to listen to me. And God says like this, it's interesting. Why doesn't Hashem say, I'll make you eloquent? Or you won't need eloquence because you'll have power. You know, once you start doing the ten plagues, you'll have power. But it's just interesting to me that Hashem does not say that. He says, uh, you'll have Aaron. The Satich Elohim Leparo, you'll be the boss. Those the guy, Lerdoso Bamakas Vyasurim, as Raj says. You'll be the man of power who pulls off the plagues. But apparently that's not enough. Aaron Achichiyen Viecha, which Rashi says is a Maturgaman. Okay? Maturgaman. Um, and uh, it was just interesting. Balaz Karnas of Prediger. Prediger is a preacher. Right? The preacher. So what does that mean? God says like this. You're not wrong that there is a diplomatic component to all this. And you, indeed, it's, it's true that you're not the guy for the diplomatic component. But you'll be a team. And Aaron will handle the diplomacy. Which is fascinating. Because you and I know the story that for whatever reason... Hashem so chose it that he had to force the Egyptians what the Egyptians would not do. If you want a similar 
example of what I'm talking about. Imagine you get all the Arabs today, all the Arabs and all the Muslims and all the Hezbollah and all this other business, Hamas and so forth in Iran, to say, you Jews are right and we're wrong, you can keep Israel. Ain't going to happen. You say, well, I mean, Hashem can do anything. It ain't going to happen. They're so stuck in their way of thinking and their hatred and so forth that, you know, if you tell me that I'll make you powerful, you can defeat them in a six-day war or in a Yom Kippur war, that's one thing. If you tell me that they should say, I completely agree that your legitimacy, you're legitimately in Israel, you ain't going to get that. Um, because Israel won, well, for the, the different wars, so Egypt eventually made peace with them. But they didn't really, Adayoma says, say, you are right, you're in Israel of right. They're pretty honest. They'll say, listen, you beat us. We wanted to get our land back in the Sinai Desert. We bit the bullet and we did what was necessary. You know, we swallowed the difficult medicine and we made peace with Israel. Uh, but we're not happy about it, but we did it. Um, this is a, basically a universal feeling in Egypt. Uh, believe me. And same thing in Jordan. You know, you say, listen, I mean, I've seen the Jordanian Prime Minister on TV say, say basically the same thing. He said, we hate Israel, this, that, and the other. Listen, they're too strong. We need their help. And so forth. So we're making a, 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 made a peace with them. If things ever change, then the peace will change. You know? So as long as Israel remains strong, and so on and so forth, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll uh, you know, but the Evid agree to having, you know, uh, some sort of a peace arrangement. And for us, that's, that's as good as you can get. I mean, we're glad to have those peace treaties. That's as good as you can get. But to have a full-throated thing where somebody, mamish flips all the way and says, you know, you're right, we're wrong. Eretz Israel belongs to the Jewish people. Palestinians have no rights whatsoever. It's not going to happen. And yet, for whatever reason, the Rabboni Shalom required that this happens in the Exodus story. I don't know, this is perhaps one of the most remarkable aspects of the story of the Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Uh, uh, and even then, you know, not 100%, because Pharaoh does chase them into the Red Sea. You know, no, he only gave in for overwhelming pressure. So I don't know why, I don't know why, but already from the burning bush, God said, the game plan is that power will send you out and give you presence even when you leave. Uh, but I'm a neoxious slave power. And was, power's not going to have a uh, reversal of conviction. He's still going to hold that he's right in there. And, and you're wrong. Uh, that is the story, as, as, as much we know. So I'm simply pointing out that it wasn't part of God's plan to say, I'm getting you out of Egypt tomorrow, because guess what? I'm putting a 48-hour sleep on all the Egyptians, or a 72-hour sleep, and meanwhile, you could just leave the country, and, uh, you know, by the time they wake up, you'll be gone. Yeah, I mean, Hashem can do anything. Where I'm going to hit him with such a plague of, I don't know what, to be a whole national plague of hemorrhoids, like you did to the Philistines, and, you know, they won't be able physically to, to stop you from leaving the country. I mean, Hashem has a lot of tricks up this sleeve, correct? I mean, he can make it to all the Egyptians drop dead tomorrow for a you know, he can do anything. I don't know why, as I said, but apparently the plan was that the, the Egyptian government's going to remain in power and they're going to release you, okay? They will release you. Um, and that's exactly what power did not wish to do. So if that's the case, then Moshe said like this, since you're setting it up, 
that it's not just a matter of showing power, because power I can do. If you give me the stick and all the rest, I could do dumps for a day, I could do ten plagues. Uh, who can't if God backs you? But how can I persuade the Egyptians then to, you know, give in uh, voluntarily? Um, which I repeat, he never really quite did. It's an interesting story. I don't want to oversimplify it. You know, the the, the plan never really fr- was fr- in fruition, it seems to me. We could talk about this some other time. But, uh, but that's the way he's set up over here. So what's interesting is that the key role is assigned to Aaron, to Aaron, the brother of Moses. Because he says, You're going to show him the power. But then Aaron will be the negotiator. Because that's really what Novi means over here. He'll be the negotiator. And, um, and he'll come in and he'll talk, he'll talk diplomatically to Pharaoh and the Egyptian officials. And he'll put it over, or he'll try at least to put it over that way. Uh, perhaps since it's put that way, it'll seem a bigger miracle if the Egyptians say no. Rashi says these words. Yeah? From the word Melitza and Tom. Which means that you're going to say, let my people go or else. I'm going to bring a, a hailstorms or, or locusts. But in Aaron's job, but then Moshe gets out of the way. You understand? Moshe gets out of the way. And Aaron starts talking with Pharaoh's officials. And he must have said something along the line, look, you know it's going to get out. You're dealing with God. It's going to wreck the country of Egypt. You know, it's counterproductive to keep us here. The economy is going into a tailspin. It's going to hell in a handbasket. Between the dumps, all the rest of it, the whole economy is collapsing. As I've said many times, think about it, when all the Bahamas died, that's like in America, all the cars, uh, you know, don't work anymore. And you can't do anything without Bahamas in the ancient world in terms of plowing, but also in terms of transportation. How can you get anything from anywhere without without animal transportation? If all the animals die, then, you know, it's a disaster. So what I'm trying to say is like this. You, the CPAs of Haro, the accountants, Figure out how much you're making as a result of the Jewish labor and how much you're going to lose as a result of the plagues and the crushing of the economy. And you'll see it's not equal, it's, it's not a good balance sheet. You'll be better off to, to write off your losses and let the Jews go in the heck with it. You know, I didn't move past it. Uh, now, Hashem also said, paro, that Aaron, this is sort of like the exquisite uh, mental torture. Aaron will put it over, he'll be a Navi. He'll be able to explain to the Egyptians why it is that it's in the interest of Egypt to let the Jews go, which it was. Okay? Which it was. Aaron will also explain to them that we're not having a general revolution over here. We're not resorting to violence. God is doing this. We're not doing a thing. Okay? So you're not dealing with a slave uprising. Moreover, Aaron is going to point out to them, we are not asking you to release all the slaves in Egypt. Probably the veldt of slaves. You know, the ancient world, especially Egypt, with the pyramids, gigantic numbers of slaves from all different nations and nationalities. The Jews were one group. Contrary to Cecil B. DeMille and Hollywood, Moses was not a uh, an advocate for universal freedom from slavery. He's not a uh, Abraham Lincoln or anything like that. Um, think about what I'm saying. He doesn't say, let everybody go. He said, let me go. Let my people go. 
So notice there's a hundred slaves out there. Six are Jewish. Let the six Jews go. You can continue your country with the rest of the slaves if you want. You see? So we're not trying to overthrow your system. We're not trying to bring the, the, the country down in terms of its culture. We're just trying to get one particular group of slaves out of there. There was a misunderstanding. You shouldn't have enslaved them or however you put it over. You know, we're not going to get into that. We're not looking to point the finger. We simply want to get the heck out of here. Uh, as I said before, it's going to be good for you and good for us. This has to be the lotion that Aaron used. Or whatever language it's in Rashi. Right? Uh, uh, so Moshe said his thing, but then Aaron took over. And Aaron said, let's make a deal. Let's make this work. You know, how has come out to win-win? Like a good lawyer, right? And I want to repeat, Aaron was not bamboozling them. He was telling the truth. He said, listen, in the end, you were going to get out. You're dealing with a power here beyond control. You should see that after the first plague or second. You're dealing with a power beyond control. You can't, ha- you can't handle this, you see? So all that's going to happen is you're going to harden your heart and you're going to pay through the nose economically and politically. If, I mean, if I was given the job of Aaron, I could do a pretty good job. I tell the Egyptians, you're going to weaken the country and expose it to foreign invasion. Because, you know, imagine if all the behemoths die. You have no cavalry anymore. You have no, uh, you know, you have no, inf- no, no, no chariots. All the power of Egypt is being busted for something which is not a vital national interest. Egypt can get along without the Hebrew slaves, and they did. They were, it was an Egypt built on a slave empire before the Jews showed up, and there was one after the Jews left. Okay, you don't need the Jews. So if you want to hold on to the Jews, it's because you can't stand in that Middle Eastern way, you know, to say you're right and I'm wrong. Even though, um, that's the magic words. How many marriages have broken up because neither spouse can say I'm right and uh, I'm wrong and you're right. You know, uh, even though logically, you know, you just say, you just swallow the pill and the, the, the fight goes away and you move on. You say you move on. Meaning it's a cold calculation of, of, of self-interest, which is the mark of a rational political policy. That's the mark of a rational political policy. And so Aaron's job is to always give the rational side of the argument and the side of the argument, which shows that it's going to be a win-win for Egypt. And that, of course, must have created a situation, because I'm assuming that Aaron knew what he was doing if God chose him, in which you see a split in the Egyptian leadership, which is one of the reasons Pharaoh has to give in. Even in the Chumash, at one point, the Khartoumim say, let him go. And later on, before the last plague, they say, you know, you know, so in other words, I repeat again, the Chumash just gives you like one-liners. But these represent, in other words, the elites of Egypt and the educated people and the aristocracy didn't walk into Egypt, walk into Paro and unitedly use the following words. They didn't say these words. God is telling you what they said boiled down to that. Maybe they used other language. But what it boiled down to, in terms of its essence, was this ain't working, it's counterproductive, the economy's getting worse, the political situation's getting worse, 
the country will not be able to survive this. So move past it, you know, bite the bullet. Move past it. Uh, now, Pyro couldn't do it. That's what makes the story so interesting. Pyro couldn't do it. Uh, I have no kashas on this. I don't even think that God had to really harden his heart, you know, without getting into that debate. Because, like I say, look at the Middle East today. I mean, a lot of times you find situations in which, because of the culture, because of the culture, um, the, 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 it becomes impossible to concede that the other one's right. I mean, it's like, it's like beyond, beyond. So, the role of Aaron is, there, it probably would be a good study for lawyers and medical, and, and law school people, because in other words, let me put it this way, if you want to have a good divider this week, around your table, and especially if anybody's listening to this podcast as a lawyer or something like that in the family, or a diplomat, then let's give you the following assignment. You're not Moses, you're Aaron. Moses can just hit the rock and, you know, water comes out. He can hit the Nile River and, you know, turns into blood. But Aaron has to, is given the task by God, by God, right? Aaron of Yen that's Hashem talking. He's given the task by God, put it over to the Egyptians in a way that you can persuade them that it's actually in their interest to let the people go. Separate the, 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 the elites from Pharaoh, because Pharaoh's heart was hardened. It does not say that God hardened the hearts of the others. So it became really a, an exquisite crisis because everybody else can see black and white and they say, this is not working, right? That's Belayim He, you know, like the Khartoum said. And Pyro can't give in. You know, he, he can't find within him to act rationally. He cannot find within him to act rationally. So anyway, um, so your assignment at the Shabbos table this week is what kind of argument would you use, you know, if you're given this brief? I think that would be a very interesting exercise, either in public speaking class, or in the law school, or something along those lines. Kachner Ali. So I want to thank uh, Kathy in Columbus and hope that she gets fully back on demand. I hope I get Mir Session back on demand. And, uh, and with that, I wish everybody. A good week. That was Parshish Vayro. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.